Hello fellow time travelers, I'm Tony Witt with the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the podcast in which we undertake the insert adjective here task of discussing in story order all of the Doctor Who novelizations. I'm joined by... Dalton Hughes. And by... Alison Fitzsafried. And we record our episodes twice a month. You're listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Enjoy your travels. This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. And welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Peterson. With me, as always, my good friend and the other host, Eric O'Branson. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Pretty good. And also good. with us, returning from last week's discussion of shock treatment, he is out of the hospital and on the mic, Ryan Steiskel. Ryan, how's it going? <laughs> Sorry, I was I was drinking. <laughs> I was drinking. Um, my favorite I emotional I had cripple. To. No, it's yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, but, uh, oh, hi. So, hi. I didn't so say we, hi. Welcome back, Ryan. Hi. Yeah. And uh, we're going to continue our conversation. I guess just jump right into it. Our uh, conversation on musicals. We watched the Rocky Horror Picture Show sequel, Shock Treatment, last week. And uh, this week, actually, this is a... a the, the pick came from from you, Ryan, right? Ever since yes. we started talking about getting you on the podcast, you've been bringing up this movie. Yes, uh, this this is a this is a favor me. This is um, Phantom of the Paradise, a 1974 Brian De Palma film. 20th Century Fox presents Phantom of the Paradise, a gothic horror story. What was that? A beautiful love story. A cinematic odyssey through the rock universe. From Greece to glitter and beyond. The story of a sound, the man who created it. The girl who sang it, the monster who stole it, and the phantom who haunts the paradise, the ultimate rock palace. Phantom of the Paradise. My music is for Phoenix. Only she can sing it. Anyone else that tries, dies. Phoenix. Phoenix. Well, you told me one time that you'd be somebody, that you weren't working just to survive. Beef. Snow! Man, you better get yourself a castrato for this. Paul Williams as Swan. And the angels that I want you to stop terrorizing the paradise and rewrite your cantata. And the Phantom. Phantom of the Paradise. There really is the Phantom. Phantom. It stars uh, William Finley as as the Phantom himself, Winslow, a a composer who desperately wants fame, which is a theme in the movie, uh, finds it through Paul Williams' character, Swan, in his Swan Records, and finds out that Swan steals it for himself, which leads to a various amount of uh, zany hijinks that gets the main character 
maimed, um, muted, and uh, becomes the phantom of of this kind of theater-esque uh, rock show place uh, run by Swan. And uh, also on there is Jessica Harper, another Jessica uh -huh. Harper appearance. Um, that's really what this is. It's actually connecting the two films with Jessica Harper. And she yeah. plays Phoenix, who is a singer who also wants to seek fame, uh, who's only getting these positions as a uh, chorus person, but who the Phantom... Uh, Winslow sees as the potential of being his new voice and love interest and tries to do what he can by any means necessary to ensure that she reaches that stardom. That even means selling his soul to the devil himself. So this one, um, gosh, like I, I remember seeing the, the videotape of this at the video store. This is another one of those that I never saw it until, mm. until uh, preparing for this episode, but I'd always known of it. I, I think I vaguely knew at some point that it was a Brian De Palma film, and we've already covered a Brian De Palma film a couple months ago, and we talked about Carrie, right? Right. Yeah. Um, very, very different kind of film, which kind of shows that De Palma has, or had at one point, quite a diversity uh, in in his styles. Um, but uh, Eric, this was a first time viewing for you as well. No, no, no. Okay. This is one I've actually seen. Um, a few times throughout the years i probably saw this the first time when um oh geez if you notice this is a movie that used to sit in the horror section as you noticed mm -hmm. uh, as you mentioned in our local video store with a pg rating on it which means i definitely rented this at some point when i was a kid because there was only <laughs> a few of those that i had to pick out and i can remember taking this one home at some point and putting it on and sitting down and watching it and having the well, very similar reaction to what we talked about Last week with Rocky Horror Picture Show and being like, okay, what did I what did I rent here? Like, <laughs> um, I remember really, really disliking this movie the first time I saw it, and then years later, I mean, we're talking, I was probably eight to ten years old, you know, at the time when I first saw it, and um, but then yeah, I, I remember seeing it again, probably in the era of time when I was working at said video store, probably exact same VHS copy, and. Um, Definitely enjoying it a lot more the second time I saw it and saw it again in college, maybe even from the same rental store we were talking about on the shock treatment episode last week. Um, yeah, it, it's grown on me every time, and that, that that's continued. I really, really um, like this movie a lot. and <laughs> It grows. Um, it, I noticed that, too. Like It just grows the more you watch it. Yeah. yeah. Ryan, yeah. what's your history with this one? Okay, so um, this was... I don't... Uh, this is probably two years after I was out of college. So it's about four, three or four years ago now. Um, so I was looking for like my, my friend and I, she, she and I like to watch uh, bad movies. Like we're watching like Spingooly or, or something like that or, or science mystery. But we never actually watch treatment. <laughs> not that I, I don't torture people, Eric. <laughs> but I was, <laughs> but we never actually watched any films. We always talked about it, but we always tried to. It never worked out. But I, I found this movie. Randomly, I found a clip, which led to me jumping into the Google, finding out what it was from, trying to look for a download, because I'm like, I'm not going to spend money on this. Couldn't find a download of it. So I'm like, I guess I'm buying the Blu-ray on, on Amazon. And so I guess I get to own this movie. Never watched it with my friend till this day. We never watched it. But I watched it with my roommate, and we were both after the end of it just going huh i i think i liked it i'm not sure but i think <laughs> i liked it that's how that it went and then uh as the years go past when i watched it watched behind the scenes and stuff like uh the the specials that came with the blu-ray i'm like yeah this this movie's really fun like it's dated it's not a masterpiece but i mean it is it is fun it's it's if you like rocky horror this kind of mm -hmm. have its similar level of kind of quirky fun i would say and and mm -hmm. catchy music i actually like this movie so much that when uh i watched it earlier this year um i went and bought the 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 soundtrack yeah i like the songs that much mm -hmm. well paul williams music in this is is really really good and, and catchy and yeah i agree with you it's um and paul williams has a lot of kind of great 
it's funny the one i remember like that i could say like another movie i really love that paul williams did all the music for and and you're gonna laugh but this is a serious serious comment is the muppet christmas carol if you guys are familiar <laughs> with it's actually probably my favorite christmas movie uh, you know other than maybe christmas vacation right yeah. but um yeah and it also has like really great original music and nothing like phantom of the paradise but still paul williams music is is very good so that was yeah he really Useless Muppets reference, but yeah. <laughs> so that's actually speaking of him, uh, watching behind the scenes, like De Palma doesn't really care about this movie much. Like I think it's like he sees it as a failure and he just moved on. But Williams loved it. Like he loved working on it, doing all this stuff for it. And I think like if anyone watches behind the scenes, watch huh. Williams talk about the movie. It's it's adorable. It's great. The guy's yeah. awesome. This so this was a first time viewing for me. Um, like I said, and. It, it as I've mentioned in, in the past for some movies they become some of them are so dated usually uh, a movie that's really focusing on entertainment or pop culture at the time that it was made mm-hmm. which this one does I mean it screams 1974 um, oh, yeah. 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 but in not just in pop culture but also in style like the way some of the gags and there are some some jokes and stuff in here the the music, the way the fashion is, the way people speak, and you know all of this stuff. So it's very dated, and that can sometimes be a little inhibiting. However, yeah. the story here, which is is interesting, considering that it's borrowing major elements from Phantom of the Opera, but also uh, elements of Picture of Dorian Gray and also yeah. Faust. Um, self-referentially. Self-referentially, <laughs> yeah, yeah ex- definitely. And it's, I think the story here is actually so good that i was able to pretty quickly kind of get over that you know not i'm not i don't want to give the impression like i don't like black and white movies because they're not in color i'm not trying to be like that but some some (laughs) movies that are really about pop culture and especially in the 60s 70s and 80s and i guess 90s um you know it's one of the reasons i don't like the movie empire records that's a discussion for another time um (laughs) but you know it's the story here is so interesting and pretty cool. I could see this being made today, updated, and it being pretty successful. Agreed. Yeah, because I think I think you could make a lot of the same criticisms. This this period of the seventies with with rock and roll music, it's it's certainly from a writing perspective and and from a musical perspective, pining for the sixties in a way and kind of showing how you know the seventies. And with the, you know, takeover by major record labels and, and artists kind of becoming the tools of that, it, it's, rock and roll's kind of sold its soul, right? And it's uh, right. it's yeah. a very, like, you know, um, <laughs> not a very subtle <laughs> analogy for that exact same thing. And um, so, yeah, it does. It, and I think you could say a lot of the same thing about the music industry right now. Uh, it's going through a lot of changes. Um, and you could say that we kind of have a group of temporary... <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to sit here. Yeah, I'm going to sit here and pretend like I actually know anything about current music because I don't really. But um, but I do feel like you could. Yeah, you could absolutely make these same criticisms now or make a very similar film to this. And it would uh, it would hit home with a lot of the things that are going on in that that entertainment right now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I again, I, I, I'm the same way. I don't really follow a lot with modern music anymore because we're all old. But we're old. Yeah, yeah maybe hey. Ryan's, not, Ryan's not so old, but turn we're 30. old. Turn 30 in September. <laughs> okay, so. you're kind of old. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, we're... Yeah, definitely. But I mean, I still, I don't have kids, so I I can still have the time to get new music from the library. Oh, fuck, I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's... um, there, there's actually, if you look at some of the big pop star sensations today, right? There's, you know, like the Taylor Swift and all that kind of stuff. But she, she is still relevant, right? Um, that Taylor Swift. I, I actually, that Taylor Taylor Swift. actually think Swift. you just dated yourself on that one. Is she even relevant? I don't know. Yeah, she is because I know there was a thing on the news about her just the other day. But you know, there, there was even there's so like Black Mirror on on uh, Netflix. One of their new episodes this season is about a pop star. Actually, Miley Cyrus plays this pop right. star. Yeah, I heard that. And actually, it's a, it's a pretty good episode, by the way. But also, it's showing the same kind of thing this is, just with the 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 intensity of pop stardom, 
right? So I mm-hmm. think that because this is this isn't just about the music industry; it's about pop stars, and right. that I think is something that isn't going away anytime soon. I think that is still going to be. I mean, that is that is ultimately the main music industry right now. I mean, well, like in, in this movie, they they uh, and, and Paul Williams did th- this. Is what makes Paul Williams actually the main thing, like Paul. Brian De Palma like directs this movie, which is great. But Paul, this is more Paul Williams' movie because of the music and how yeah. he constructed it. Yeah. Which is, if you notice, like there's different genres. Uh, like they start off with those the shanana type of bands. The juicy the fruits. 50, yeah. The juicy yep. fruits, and they take the same kind of band and they change and it several times, and they steal they steal um, the Phantom song, uh, Faust. And they rework it several times where they have the Beach yeah. Boys version. They're still singing mm-hmm. the same song, but they change it. When they have Beef playing, same song, change it. And that was the <laughs> whole point is it's yeah. like music le- uh, records, labels and such, they're going to take the same song and just going to change it until they get the audience to like it and then they sell it. And it's just like, the, uh, <laughs> it's, I don't know, it's, it's crazy. You get more in debt. Well, the more you watch this movie, the more you get like, oh my God, it's better. It's better. It's more, it's great. I got home fucking bored behind me with like wires connecting the conspiracy <laughs> yeah but you, and by the way you mentioned the character of beef which i absolutely <laughs> yeah. loved and that's i wanted to mention before i forget Bud the yeah. chud yeah garrett graham he was uh, the star of bud <laughs> the chud one of our one of our first episodes one of our early episodes too. May, may actually be one of our other f's i'm not sure but yeah it could be i mean he was also <laughs> in child's play too i mean look up that yeah. guy's history and it's pretty pretty crazy i mean he's he's in a ton of stuff so so because you mentioned that joe i have to know what did you think about the performance the 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 frankenstein setup for that show because this movie does a good job of shutting up like music shows when it does it i think with that one in particular what do you think i liked it i liked it a lot i i thought there was um you know kind of a yeah, I, I, some elements of Bowie, some elements of Iggy and the Stooges. I mean, this is really Kiss. 1981. Yeah. yeah, Kiss, obviously. So this is a bit before, I don't know, I guess punk is going on at the time, but it well, started... It's 74, right? So we're talking the the kind of diving in or the like explosion of glam rock i think is yeah like, yeah so yeah. bowie and and mata hoople and uh t-rex I mean, and look um, at the phantom's outfit he, kiss he's, and, yeah he's yeah a, he wears an owl mask with leather straps and he has a <laughs> synthesized voice that glows yeah and he has metal teeth i'm like yeah it's very glam i was just kind of thinking thing. like the the just that performance right and it's interesting right. too that this came out right around within a year or two of Rocky Horror, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Rocky Horror later seventies, right? This is the oldest of those three. Well, if we consider Shock Treatment in there too, mm-hmm. with like quirky musicals, but I think this is the oldest of the three. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm so not it, sure I've claimed in the last episode so, this giant Rocky Horror fan. I can't even come up. Right. With so this is actually a bit before <laughs> punk rock. This 75 a, yeah Roll, okay. rocky horror 75 okay so the year the next year is a year before yep. rocky horror yeah so it's a bit and before this, punk rock yeah. but it's it, you know you're still yeah you're seeing the peak of of glam and uh it, it just works though i was just gosh the, the the kind of frankenstein type scene which i thought was a really cool thing in the performance um but yeah mm-hmm. so frank and then rocky horror does a frankenstein thing the next year so I don't know. I really liked this. It was um, the the humor in it is a bit strange. It's a bit slapstick at times. <laughs> at times, yep. Um, the whole way that he escapes prison is just <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> and and uh, that's really. And I don't even know if I want to call it a criticism, but that's one of the only things that feels out of place here is that style of humor just kind of thrown in felt weird. Um, yeah, in a couple places. In a few places. Like, it, they could have done humor in a different way in this film. And it, it, you could have humor in it. Just, I wouldn't go with that kind of speed up the camera, Buster Keaton type thing. <laughs> well, that's, um, yeah. that's thought... kind of what De Palma does. Is he, he, he's known for making the references to other movies yeah, in yeah. his well, movies. 
and that's Brian De Palma the... is such a stylist, and 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 I know you mentioned yeah. it, it, and I, I don't want to take any credit away from Paul Williams. He's he's fantastic in this movie, and his music is great, and um, and I and I agree with you. It's probably a little more his, you know, movie than than De Palma's, but De Palma's style is certainly on, you know, certainly at the forefront yeah. here, uh, all the way. I mean. Down to the, we were talking about this when we watched Carrie, but this one I think you get a little more of his, like you said, his kind of like a little more over the top style with um, uh, super expressive colored lighting, and it just kind of this movie kind of fits him a little bit better than than Carrie, although Carrie's a fantastic movie as well, and he does do a lot of those things in Carrie, but we, we get a little good use of split screen here as well, uh, which is <laughs> really a De Palma thing. I can't think of another filmmaker that uses split screen as often. Um, but yeah, it, his. I'm finding out like as I as we kind of like look back at some of these things is I like, maybe I need to watch more Brian De Palma movies because I think maybe I'm a bigger fan of his than I ever realized I was. Just like, um, it's a very very uh expressive stylistic filmmaker, um, that I don't think you get a whole lot of nowadays. We were talking about that when we we looked at Carrie. Like even, and I haven't seen the remake of it, but even that movie we were kind of saying like nowadays you you're not gonna you know see somebody dump a whole you know, shoot a whole scene under like red light just to you know get the um you know up up the expressive horror of the of what's going on um everything's really like even things that are fantastic we shoot super realistic now like everything you know they don't light anything in that Mm-hmm. creep show reds and greens <laughs> right so so going off of that i have to like watching this like this movie and even paul williams says this actually in the interviews which i thought was the coolest thing this movie's very much a comic movie like a comic book movie in the way mm-hmm. that the colors are shot the way the story's kind of told and the subject matter is kind of like yeah. crazy so when when joe when you mentioned like you could see this being remade I had this, after watching this so many times, I keep thinking, I want this to be remade as a comic, but a comic set in the 70s. Like, if I ever had a dream project in my life, I want to remake this movie as a comic. It'd be hard to do that with the music, though, because the music is so important. But maybe that would be the thing. But the style. the, The song that they keep going back to here that's supposed to be this great song, eh, it was okay, you know. Faust? Yeah. It's fine. But that's kind of irrelevant right like it could be any song it could be you know like tenacious d this is not the greatest song in the world it's just a tribute you don't even have to know what the what this great song is just there's a great song (laughs) and i think the story is good enough where you don't need to rely on that i think like so maybe as a comic it would be interesting you can't listen to it right but just to be like it's it's great I just think that's, uh, I was, I was, I, I think it's funny that you mentioned, like, you know, I think I really liked that movie. I, I did too. I kind of walked away from this going, <laughs> eh, you know, it looks kind of eh, all over the place. It's so dated. It's so dated. But wow, I think I actually really got into that. Um, I have like the hugest smile on my face right now and, for and those the, who the, can't tell because I've been telling Joe, like, we need to watch this movie. You need to watch <laughs> yeah, this movie. Yeah for so and long it's, it's so campy but the camp is like it's not that tongue-in-cheek silly camp it's actually like that's campy but it's kind of fucking cool do you know what do you know what scene really did it for me the moment where i t- leaned to my roommate and i said i like this movie it's the very last scene where they had this crazy like they just killed swan they have this crazy like mob going <laughs> out of control and there's this song like playing as the phantoms dying and crawling towards like phoenix like in pain and he like that look on his face like and this goes to william just like the late william now i guess i gotta say but he mm-hmm. the his, his range as an actor you really feel for this guy who wanted to feel connected and she doesn't even come to him like she's horrified of him, and he dies alone and like that whole scene with that music i'm like this movie is much more serious uh-huh. than what the camp is. And I think I love this movie now. Like, that's the scene that, like, made me realize, like, this movie is deeper than what it is. The third act in this in general is really good. 
Um, it, yeah. it, it's uh, quick. It's quick, but it's... Yeah, yeah I was going to say, it is quick. I feel like the climax of the film is actually a little bit rushed, and I would... Because every, like, every other part of the movie has, like, kind of its musical number and it has its kind of tone and it it progresses and it's a really smart like the way it's laid out and i feel like the end although it's exciting like it's but it you want more of it you want more it's all kind of instead of having its own like kind of musical number which i kind of thought it should it has kind of some I don't know. It almost gets psychedelic at the end. Like it does, uh, it's, especially that the that editing, the editing the pace picks up. Yeah, and the the music's very almost psychedelic, and that's the only place in the movie where there's like a significant amount of violence, um, or like you know gore effects or anything. I mean, it's not it's not intensely gory or anything, but like there's there's some blood and there's you know you see the phantom's face and um, he gets unmasked and you know um, and it just kind of doesn't fit the beats of everything else. And it just feels like it happens really fast, but it, it's oh, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's satisfying. Like it works, but yeah, you want the pacing um, to match the rest. Like, it's like, this is good elements. You just want the pacing to match yeah. what it was doing prior. I mean, we just mentioned Paul Williams, who is very good in this. Um, William Finley is it's interesting because I think he works better as the phantom than before he goes through that transformation oh before he winslow yes, yeah i yeah. Think agree so too. i think that was the whole point though i think they knew like, he's he borderline is hamming it up as winslow i think like like a dork i don't want to say really overacting dork, but like yeah. it's it's really like oversold and i don't know whose decision that was i'm not going to blame that all on William yeah. finley but uh yes i think he's better as the phantom for sure and maybe it's just because I mean he gets he gets the advantage of being able to hide his face a little bit, but but I don't know I I, I think his performance is is just in the right tone when he gets into that character in as Winslow Leach he's oh that laugh kind that of maniacal over, laugh that overly he does. playing you know nerdy dorky like, <laughs> I don't know like, <laughs> those glasses that's which I think are his actual glasses because I think he had yeah. he had poor eyesight. <laughs> Well, yeah, and then Jessica Harper is is much better in this than she was in Shock Treatment. She actually looks oh, like she wants to be wait. in this movie. Yeah. Can, yeah, I okay. I love Jessica Harper in this movie. She, oh, by the way, everyone in this movie they, that's really them singing. Mine is Beef, except mm-hmm. for in the shower scene. That's his voice. But uh, Jessica and William, when they do in their parts, that's actually them singing. Um, but Jessica, I have to say. Um, that chicken dance that she does that weird the weird dancing that she does in the movie <laughs> uh-huh. it's adorable During the but audition scene yeah like all yeah. no even at the end she does it again at the end like this weird like spastic chicken dance it's a it's it's endearing <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. right but um yeah and i mean i think there's a trilogy of movies and not literally that i mean she's gone on to do a bunch bunch of other stuff but like i'm really only familiar with jessica harper from from three films that is phantom of the paradise shock treatment and suspiria <laughs> like that yeah. is pretty much my jessica harper that's it that's all i've ever really and i'm sure that's not true i'm sure i've seen her in other things because she's i look at her filmography and she's been in so much stuff but that's what i i, I remember her from um Kind of feel like this she needs to be in more. Yeah. Is her first uh, actual screen appearance, so it's introducing Jessica Harper, mm. and uh, believe is what um, Argento saw that got her cast in Suspiria. I don't know how she got into you know involved in Richard O'Brien's Rocky Horror sequel, but uh, probably just because she was an actress that probably because she, was she a could actually sing. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, not sure exactly how she got it even into the Suspiria thing. I should go read about that, but I'm sure somebody out there knows. But um, anyway, yeah, really just saying that this is this was my first experience with her as an actress. And I always, even like on my initial viewing of this film as a child, um, was was pretty, was taken with her. Like just, I, I really liked her voice. She's got like a really deep kind of, um, trying to compare it to anybody maybe stevie nicks-esque voice a little bit but yeah i um, love it i love it she's got that yeah, deep and i really like voice. yeah yeah so i yeah i was really taken with her even the first time i saw it when i wasn't really sure if i liked this film so yeah and and actually this one also has a bit of a a cult fan base behind it too 
huge in right. France. It was huge. It huh. is huge in <laughs> this France. This looks like one of those things that would be like, you know, big in France, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of like how the, there's the, the Lebowski fests, you know, where people get together in bowling alleys and dress up as their favorite big Lebowski character and drink white Russians. There are actually, there have been a few fan-organized phantom paloozas. Um, oh, yeah. Mostly in Canada, but... Um, <laughs> For some reason, that makes sense to me, too. Yeah. But then there's also, I was reading um, that uh, this film was a major influence on the uh, the group, the musical group Daft Punk. Oh, I didn't know oh, that. Oh, with the math. Yeah, yeah I, I can, can see, see the, that. You know. Yeah. But, yeah, like the... But, yeah, they're French, of course. Yeah. Yeah. They, they said this was one of their favorite movies that they'd see together dozens of times and... Um, it's surprising yeah. this movie does inspire like quite a few th- this was the uh the phantom actually makes an appearance in, in a simpsons episode too <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like briefly well, if anyone watches you know it's funny to me about this film and, and it, there's a lot of things great about this film but this actually is a better adaptation about the core um story of the phantom of, phantom of the opera than like most modern adaptations of it including andrew lloyd weber's musical in my mind yeah um that, that yeah a better adaptation than most others have been and it's it's i think it's kind of taken as a joke by some people it's it's a cult movie because it's quirky and it's kind of dated and it's um it's over the top in all the right ways and and such but i actually think it does do a good job of of adapting the themes of its literary inspiration it's not totally without you know obviously there's some thinking going on behind the scenes there it's not just uh they weren't out to make just a silly cult movie um you know there's some uh the gears are are turning behind you know oh yeah there's some cool there's some cool just conceptual stuff in this like when winslow you know has his mask and his little voice box thing and he's testing it out and hissing essentially is the sound that comes out of it but he's plugged up to the the uh different stereos and stuff and and swan is able to filter out and actually like record like oh i can record your voice nicely at least i mean well, it's like this mm-hmm. is before auto-tune but that was auto-tune so yeah mm-hmm. so touching on that do you know whose voice winslow's actually singing in that one Mm-mm. it's 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 swans it's paul williams but it's meant to be swan because swan is such an egotist that he thinks the perfect voice is his own. So Winslow, when he talks, is this garbled mess. But only when he's allowed to sing, it still has to be Swan. Oh, uh, wow. That's funny. Huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, 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 well, I, Paul Williams being such a talented musician and, and songwriter as well, for him, this is... I will say he's I, far from Swan. Like, the real Paul Williams is oh, far yeah, from yeah, Swan. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I certainly remember him being in other things, but this is, like, the biggest role I remember him playing in a, in a movie. Usually it's, you know, he, he is... Planet of the Apes? Right, okay, yeah. You're, you're <laughs> obviously. Not the um, first one. One of the... Yeah. I think yeah, Planet of the Apes 4, 65, yeah. whatever, how many there were. Yeah, 72, I think, but... No, I just, um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I think of him like as kind of a supporting player or, you know, a composer um, more than anything. But he's really, really good in this movie. Like, he's definitely got the acting chops as well. So He's definitely got that um, devil, yeah. like, sell your soul to him charm to him. Mm-hmm. He's just yeah. a swarmy little bastard. I don't know, like, he's just... Uh... And he's not, really. Like, I know what you're saying. Like, he's nothing like Swan at all. <laughs> it's a... Um... I mean, he's he's the guy that wrote you know wrote the music for the Muppets Christmas movie, you know, whatever. But uh, and he that's more his real personality. But yeah, so he's he's great. He's a great villain in this. Um, I also like that they threw the little like Dorian Gray uh, thing in about him. You know, he he signed the contract as well. So Swan, um, he has to watch. You know, was his, just his another struggling artist on at film. one point. In, that's what it is. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I thought that was really cool too. The that kind of a twist that he you know the the a twist on the dorian gray thing also you have to watch it every day so you can see how it's changing mm-hmm. you know that that kind of thing um there's just some these little conceptual things throughout the movie that were really really clever um and just the whole idea that like even swan is in debt 
right his soul is i mean contract two winslow yeah yeah that whole thing was like oh that's a kind of a neat neat thing to throw in there too overall yeah this was really really kind of cool and actually i started looking up more about paul williams too and um yeah he's got a hell of a filmography and oh, no and also yeah. even for scoring stuff he helped help score the, the first muppet movie and so he's done quite a lot with the muppets but he's also uh mm-hmm. in it's still pretty active you know the the film baby driver which came out just you know two years ago now uh it was really popular he did the score on that as well and as far as his uh i was looking up just i always check out filmography and didn't realize he does a lot of cameos too he actually has a cameo in the muppet movie as, as the el slizo pianist <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think that's what i recognize him the most from his little things like that and probably from my uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of the muppets and in, in general so i probably remember him from a lot of that stuff but it always stuck out to me the name paul williams and the, the connection between like oh the guy who wrote all the music for phantom of their paradise also wrote all the music for muppets christmas carol that's interesting like <laughs> so he for me for for the for the 90s kids uh dexter's lab he was in an episode of dexter's lab where he played the oh, piano really? teacher and taught dexter that he was dexter's always surrounded by music i didn't know that and so once like you guys looked into him like holy shit he was in that episode and they're finding like (laughs) dexter's beeps and bobs and whatnot in his laboratories like songs and they find a song they sing a song about it so yeah he's he's everywhere and like watching interviews with him like for this movie more so He's like the coolest freaking guy. Like he'll even go back and say, "Like yeah, there's a period that in that period of time, like I was saying things I'm not proud of, or is doing things that like he he's a man who who admits like he's grow he's he's grown from somewhere else. Like mm-hmm. he's just kind of humble about it, and just he's just so excited about this film, and he's just like I don't care what it was like to others, I but go for back me, and watch but, some of the stuff in the Blu-ray because I yeah I get I just recently do it. I, it's like the, the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Well, also, I, because we haven't done one of these consistently like we used to in a while, but the uh, weekly DC Comics reference is that Paul Williams was also <laughs> the voice of the Penguin on Batman yeah! animated series. That's what I was going to mention to you, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Yep. That so. was the greatest one. That was the greatest cameo of all time. Yeah. Yeah. And see, that one wasn't even shoehorned I like they usually are. I realized that, but I think I can hear it when I think about it now. Like, yep. Yeah, it's like oh, okay. So the pe- so that means, like, officially, the penguin probably has the greatest singing voice out of the Batman universe, animated universe. Probably yeah. never expected. Probably never we get the, ever get the musical episode of that. Oh, God, Me too. Don't want that. Start singing at the fucking uh, <laughs> we don't the, 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 the nightclub. We don't. We don't want that. We don't want that. So you don't. But want I think that. I think the grades for this week are going to be quite different than than last week. I think so, and I think we're actually in agreement on this one for the most part. So, yeah. um, and a couple interesting before we get to that, a couple interesting things about this movie, just trivia wise. Did you know that um, Sissy Spacek actually worked as a set dresser on this film? Is that where Brian De Palma um, first met her, oh, and cool. he actually personally called her to come in on audition for Carrie, which was his, I believe, his his next film. Uh, after making Phantom of the Paradise, so they were um, first introduced on working on Phantom of the Paradise. So that was really cool. Uh, huh. Yeah, so she was she was probably pursuing something totally different and got that call and you know ended up. Hmm. Yeah, I gotta say, great you know, this work as an actress. So. Th- this is one that you know to to watch it. If anybody's listening, it's currently available to rent on Amazon Prime. Uh, but this is one I might actually the, the go out and get the Blu-ray. Shout fa- or Scream Factory Do it. Blu-ray. The, Blu- the Blu-ray is yeah. going to be cheaper than the DVD, but it's it yeah. comes with so much more. It's it's one of those, like, I don't know if I ever wanted to buy this, but I'm glad I did buy this type of movies, <laughs> I would argue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, I agree. And, and my mine was just, it was a little pricier than I usually will go, but I knew it was a movie I really liked, and I was like, oh, I'm sure there's a lot of good stuff on there. So, yeah, I can't wait to dive in. I wish I would have had time to dive into it prior to, you know, recording this episode, but such is life, right? So, but, um, yeah, no, I just, uh, should, should we do it? Should we do, uh, what do you guys think, grade-wise? Like, uh, 
Well, Ryan, Joe, this was start. Phantom of the Paradise. You want me to start? I actually gonna. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna give this one. I'd say like a B minus. Um, I I really liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to, and really the only thing that that held it back for me really was was just how the the, the dated style. It I think it does. It doesn't help the film. I think because the this is one of these weird cases where the story itself is so good. They could have dialed back some of the... They could have made it a little more. Because there's plenty of films that have come out from, you know, there's a whole bunch of movies that came out in 1974 that are rewatchable and the style of pop culture doesn't get in the way. And I think this one does mm. a little bit, but not much. And the performances are pretty good. There's there's some that, eh, they could have been better. Finley could have been a little, you know, he was fine, but he could have been great, you know. Um but overall, it's risky when you're taking three classic, essentially horror thriller storylines. In this case, Phantom of the Opera, Faust, and and uh, uh, Phantom of the Opera, Dorian Faust, and Dorian Gray. Gray thank you. Yeah. When you're taking yeah. three classic stories like that and you're using elements of them, and it works. It works really, really well. Um, I don't know how they pulled that off. It's it's strange. I can't describe why that works, but it does. So I really enjoyed this one so much more than I thought I was going to. And it is one that when I got done watching it, I thought, oh, huh, that that didn't suck. And over the last <laughs> 24 hours, this turned into, I really actually liked that. <laughs> You're welcome. So thank I'm you. Take yeah. Credit for that. <laughs> okay. And uh, what about you, Probably. Eric? Since um yeah, for me, I I mean this is for me this is a great movie. Like it. It kind of blew up my brain as a kid. Like, I'm not sure I, I really understood what I was watching, and I think that's why I had a negative reaction to it the first time I saw it. But it's literally grown on me every time I've watched it. And I, I, I kind of think, like, I, I've probably seen it two or three times. Um, I kind of believe it's going to keep growing on me, right? And just become one of those, like... Actually, this is a, a one of those that's going to end up as an all-time favorite. And I don't do, like, top tens or whatever, because I probably have, like, 70 all-time favorite films, but this is definitely in there somewhere. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think this is the best of the bunch. We were talking earlier about comparing it with Rocky Horror Picture Show and with Shock Treatment. Um, this is probably the best of those three movies, and that kind of is tough for me to say because of my kind of history with Rocky Horror, but this is just technically a much better made film it's it's just kind of it's kind of perfect the way it's criticism of the uh you know record industry and the change in rock and roll music at the time so anyway it's it's an a for me i, I really think it's a it's a fantastic film really the climax of where a rock star and you know um a record producer are murdered in front of an audience and they're just all going wild is kind of like the biggest commentary on rock and roll and, and at the time maybe even you know ever <laughs> yeah for me it just it just works so well it's a really really great movie and it's got great music in it and it's yeah great performances and paul williams uh this is my you know second favorite paul williams score right next to the muppet christmas carol so <laughs> now i gotta go back this is like the fourth <laughs> muppet drop in this episode i think i've got to go back yes. and watch muppet <laughs> christmas carol in fucking july but to really not, to really get this experience some really it's actually a pretty good movie. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies, you know, that are like kid appropriate. Yeah, it's it's good. It's great. I remember it being pretty good, but I don't remember that much about it. Maybe I, now I'm <laughs> now I'm gonna have to add that to the list. <laughs> but what about you, Ryan? I mean, this was your pick, so I'm I'm assuming it's it's gonna be a high grade. But what what are your what's your grade for it? I want I want to give it an A plus. I really do because I love it. And like Eric said, Eric hit it like nail in the head like the more you watch like joe your your grade's gonna go up if you watch this more yeah because truly when you watch it more you catch more stuff like if any movie but you catch more stuff you appreciate it more you kind of start like you start ignoring like the dated parts of it like because that bothered me too um but after a while you're like that's just part of the charm like it's it is what it is and that's okay like it doesn't need to stand the test of time it needs to be a representation of a period of time but still be relevant and it does that like it's like a product of the 70s but it's like i can still see these these actions these behaviors these motivations being modern day it's just, this is very much an a uh grade for me 
and uh, it's 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 beautiful. It's uh, in color wise, uh, the story is much more like deep. It's deeper than than you would give it credit for for this film. I agree. It is it is tied up there with Rocky Horror. Like if they were to combine in some ways, I think they'd make the ultimate film. But Phantom has a way better story, way better shots, more scene, more likable characters. Actually, uh, like if it had Tim Curry in it, that that's what it is. It's, it's kind of strangely high concept. It's almost it like it, it's got it's a lot a, of art to it. Like it's deeper. Where Rocky Horror is just silly. You know, it is fun, it, silly. It's great. Do, but, do you think and, that's why Rocky Horror has more more of a fan base? Because this Rocky Horror to say Rocky Horror is a cult favorite is an understatement. It's mm-hmm. it's a little more mainstream. Yeah, it, it, can, yeah. it can be it can be viewed can, by more of a diverse Scientology at this point. Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say it can be viewed by a more diverse cast of people because as it grows culturally, it's more ex- openly accepted. Like now, now everyone's like, "Yeah, I kind of want to be involved in that," or it's just like, "That's really fucking weird." But it's more grown towards that. But where Phantom, it never really got the attention like it did in France here. Um, but in France, it did. It got it got the attention. It made Daft Punk. Uh, it inspired a lot more, I'm I'm sure. And it, it it if you have a movie that I like inspires me to want to like remake it in some way, like I said in the comic form, or at least just buy its soundtrack. If you make me want to buy your soundtrack, like that's like perfect right there. It's like mm-hmm. that that proves that like you you did well, it's you did gotta good. be the number one sign that a musical was successful right like right i don't own any any rocky horror songs actually but i own phantom of the opera uh sorry phantom See, of the I paradise did. I, I wore a cassette tape of rocky horror out a couple i'm pretty sure so I'm like <laughs> yeah. but anyway yeah, I, I, I like some of the worthy remakes of the, yeah. i was gonna say i like some of the for rocky horror i i know that the, the punk band me too and the gimme gimmies did their version of of uh mm-hmm. the the main rocky horror theme and that was actually a pretty good version <laughs> i have that yeah <laughs> but better than the misfits one but anyway oh wow well, yeah I, I try not to remember <laughs> that one and, <laughs> okay. yeah and one of these days we are going to do an entire misfits episode we just have to find a way of doing it but yeah yeah we'll make an excuse like watch a couple of movies and some you know 80 percent of their songs are named after movies anyway but that'd be kind of a fun way of doing it but yeah so so ryan you you are giving this one an a or a b or i said an a an i, a. It an okay. a. You did give I it wanted an to a. give it an a plus like i said but like a seems right and it's definitely going to be on my top 10 as well like yeah. it's always going to be a movie that i show people and they're like wow that was better yeah. than i expected yeah and don't get me wrong it's probably not for everybody but it's, it's an not. in my book i agree so but it's <laughs> easier to watch than rocky for some people i will say probably oh yeah probably, probably. Yeah. some elements it's not a sexual it's not right. a sexual there's right. uncomfortable it's, sexual yeah. moments but which i yeah. will point out there's that i don't ones. care for but it makes yeah. sense in the environment like right. it's not yeah. meant to be enjoyed it's certainly a criticism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. It's, yeah. So. The fact that the audition doesn't require any singing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That was very uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, I think it's it's very strongly on point with what it's trying yes. to say. For yes, sure. it is. All right. So, what do we have anyway, coming so, up uh, in the next couple of weeks on the on Oh, the man, yard? this, uh, let's see. Our, we're, we're running we're running short, Joey. We need to do some scheduling. But coming up soon on the Video Junkyard podcast, we have... Uh, we're going to take a look at some lesser-known Kevin Costner films, as well <laughs> as uh, some Forgotten Franchise um, show. A new Forgotten Franchise show, excuse me, uh, which I believe Ryan is planning on joining us for again. Which uh, Which uh, is that? We will let you know what <laughs> that is. We'll talk about uh, it later, I guess. Yeah, coming up. <laughs> and uh, well, maybe maybe you're not planning on it, but I'm. But but now you are. So we're figuring it out. <laughs> but, I'm, I'm what you uh, call it, stay-at-home artist now. So I have the time. <laughs> hey, I, that's uh, yeah, that works out really well. Um, for stay-at-home dad, stay-at-home artist. No, you got to do is quit your job, Joe. Come on, yeah, podcast for no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah. So the, the the, that kind of runs out our schedule at this point. So um. Wow, we need to do some scheduling. That gets us up to through the middle of August, but um, 
yeah, we need to take a look at that. So I really want to, since we're, you know, um, I really want to do some more uh, audience picks. So if you're listening and have an idea, um, shoot it to us, and I want to get those on the schedule. And we have we have a lot of other ideas. We just have to get it set in stone before I start teasing you with what might be coming up. So that's right. And I'd love to hear anybody's episode, anybody's opinion or thoughts on Phantom of the Paradise. Everybody loves Rocky Horror, at least if. I don't say everybody, obviously, but you know, you either love Rocky Horror or you hate it. Phantom of the Paradise is one that nobody has an opinion on because nobody ever fucking talks about it. Why do you think that is? If you've seen this film, uh, give us your thoughts on it or give us your thought on that issue. You can find us at Gmail at VideoJunkierPodcast at gmail.com or you can drop us a line on Facebook, our formal Video Junkier Podcast Facebook page or Video Junkier Podcast Facebook group. Or feel free to send us a tweet at VideoJunkPod is our twitter handle we'd love to hear from you yeah and uh, as we always say uh send us a movie review if you take the time to write it we will read we will take the time to read it um looking forward to any and all um reviews that you guys want to send in or if there's something you really think we you want to hear on the on the podcast let us know and shoot us a review of that and we'll include your review in the show absolutely and i want to thank ryan once again for joining us for this two-parter as well yes, and you, also ryan. thank you for recommending phantom of the paradise that was a uh, definitely a treat so good, yeah, and I, good. I guess like, i should this apologize is, this, to this you feels for, good. for shock treatment so well <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> i was gonna say this, this feels good because this feels like like i'm the reason for this podcast yeah me you, <laughs> you are the great reason you are the reason i can check it off my bucket list so we're good i want our inspiration I want to thank everybody for tuning in. As always, this is the Video Junk Air Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. I'm Eric Branson. And I'm Ryan Seiskel saying, watch Phantom of the Paradise. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go. Go. Stay on the road. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast on Twitter at video junk pod and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast all one word want to thank you again for listening and keep digging who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard. 